Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. From What Goes On Media, this is Backstage With, taking you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going not quite backstage, but to a studio in East London where last month I caught up with Rebecca Traherne. She was in rehearsals for Sweet Charity, which has since opened at Nottingham Playhouse. We had a chat in the room where the costumes were being stored, surrounded by clothes rails and bright colours, and we were next door to a costume fitting for School of Rock, so that was a bit rowdy. Before you hear our conversation, here's what Rebecca said when she won the Olivier Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Musical last year. And the award goes to Rebecca Traherne for Showboat. Showboat was one of the most special experiences of my career and I'd like to start by thanking Daniel Evans, our incredible director and all-around wonderful human being, Diolch Galon. <laughs> and I'd like to mention a few of the people who um, helped me out when I was really, really young. Um, you and Vitti and Rhys Jones, who are much missed. Glenis Thomas, Gwen Parry-Jones, all of whom gave so generously of their time to me when I was a kid. And of course, more than anybody else, my mum and dad for their unending support. This one's for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca Traherne. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you for, for Thank you for coming on. I've seen you in so many shows over the years, so I'm so excited to actually I'm meet old. you. No, you're not. No, you're not. I've seen you in Ghost and Dogfight, City of mm. Angels. So it's really nice to have an hour to just chat with you. You're doing Sweet Charity at the Nottingham Playhouse. How are rehearsals going? Really well, thank you. Um, the first week was pretty hardcore because it was it was mainly just me and um, Mark who plays Oscar came in for a couple of sessions as well but in the main it was me doing choreography which you know isn't exactly my forte so it was a bit of a shock to the system but it was really useful for me as well to get that head start on the choreography and now that we've got the rest of the company and it's just a joy I mean such a cliche but I'm really excited to come to work every morning you know it's a very full-on role. Mm. Have you had to really work hard to build up that stamina? I've yet to discover the stamina it takes in a way because we're not at the point where we're running the entire show yet. I think that feels like the next big challenge in a way. Um, I joined the gym about four months before we started just you know, because I had an idea that it would probably take a lot of stamina. It's great fun. Was this a role that you were looking out for? Because obviously most of your work has been London or, or in mm. Wales. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Nottingham's a bit out of the way. Mm. But was it a role that you were like, I've got to do that? I can't say that it was. I, I'm not talking specifically about this production, but just generally, it, it wasn't really one of those shows that I was that familiar with, to be perfectly honest. So when I was approached about doing it and kind of sat down and read the script and realised, oh my God, this is an absolutely amazing role. And of course then I was really, really keen to do it. So it's... It's been a long time coming in a way because I've, I've known about it for a long time and I'm so excited to get to sink my teeth into it finally. It's one of those ones that's always been around but I didn't really know much about it yeah. and then I saw it in Manchester at the Royal Exchange a couple of years ago oh, with okay. Kaiser Hammerland mm. and loved it and was like how have I not known about this show? Yeah. Well I've never seen it, you see, I've never seen the film, I've never seen it on stage which you know in a way I'm really pleased about because it means that I can come at it from a fresh perspective. You've been in rehearsals for a couple of weeks, is there a part of the show that you're really loving in particular? Which, which bit are you most excited about? <laughs> Well, we've not quite finished working through it yet, but at the moment, I really, really love the whole Vittorio Vidal chunk, particularly the scene in his apartment. It's just, it's so charming. And it's got, if they could see me now in there as well, which is a brilliant number. And I'm really enjoying the choreography of Nat now that I'm starting to get it under my belt a little bit. 
but it's, it's just such a fun scene. I love it. Have you been to Nottingham before? Do you know that theatre at all? Yeah, it's... not that theatre. Well, I've, I've visited a couple of times now that I'm doing the show. But no, I toured to Nottingham with Ghost. Of course. In um, 2013, but we were at the concert hall then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's nice to get to visit the Playhouse this time. Speaking of Ghost, I first saw you in Ghost in 2012 when mm. you were covering Molly. That was such a special show mm. and you got to do it on tour. Looking back on that experience, what was it like being in it in London and on the road? That was one of those shows that I was absolutely desperate to do because... um. Well, I related to it on a personal level, you know, because I, I know what it's like to, to lose a partner, to lose somebody you love. And so it was when I went to see the show in London for the first time, I, I was just sitting there thinking, God, that's mine. That's got to be mine. So I was delighted to get to do it in London, albeit, yeah, I'm going to be perfectly honest, disappointed not to be playing the part. But then to get to take it on the road and take over as Molly was just such a, a dream come true in so many ways. You know, it helped me quite a lot as well to kind of work through what I was going through at the time and... It's just such a beautiful show, you know, it's, it's a universal thing to, to be trying to deal with the loss of somebody you love and it's something that probably pretty much everyone will experience at some point and it, it always felt like a bit of a privilege to be able to tell that story and I do kind of credit that show with being the thing that turned my career around in a way because I'd spent the best part of 10 years understudying most of the time and to suddenly be kind of seen as a leading lady, I think that's what that helped me take a step up the ladder, you know. Was that the first time that you went from covering a role to playing it full time? Yes, yeah, 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 it was the first time. And was that kind of a moment where you went, oh my God, yay me? Yeah, I guess it was. If I remember rightly, there was about a six-month a six month gap between finishing in town and, and taking it on tour. And I was a little bit ambivalent about it to start with because I, you know, I played it quite a lot in London. I thought, well, maybe it's time to let that go and move on. But um, when it came my way, I just, I couldn't say no. Did you feel like that show got the life it deserved? Because you know, I was really disappointed yeah. when it closed. Um, no, I think it's, it's a real shame that it didn't last for longer in London. It gathered a hardcore group of fans back then. And I think, you know, those fans are still with it now because it's still going out on the road in various iterations. And that's great, you know, because it, it was just a beautiful show. Really beautiful. Do you think it was ahead of its time? Because all the tech and stuff was so mm. clever and I just felt like no one really ever mentioned that, that we'd never seen a show on that high-tech scale before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly the most high-tech show I've done to this day. I think it's easy to overlook how important that was and how integral it was to the story and just how hard the, the creative team and the design team worked to realise that. Because, you know, it's a tough show to put on stage, all those illusions and all that magic. And Paul Keefe did the most incredible job of... of facilitating those illusions because you know they're so dependent on sight lines and all sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily think about did anything ever go wrong oh god yeah (laughs) (laughs) like what um i remember several cast members being taken out by moving bits of set on the tour (laughs) i think it was more to do with them being in the wrong place (laughs) i guess they shall remain nameless but there were always little things like that you know because it was so specific in terms of where you had to be at certain moments, you know, foot out of place and suddenly the illusion would be broken. But we worked really hard to make sure that that happened as little as possible. I'm guessing you'd seen the film before you did the show. Yeah, I'd seen it when I was a kid and I avoided re-watching it once I knew I was going to be doing the show. I always avoid, you know, if there is source material, a film or... I'd read a book if a show is based on a book, by all means. But generally I avoid watching somebody else's performance if it exists because I think it's just the danger is you get their their interpretation stuck in your head and it becomes hard to bring your own take to the role. I'm always really fascinated by an audition process Mm -hmm. for any show. What was it like auditioning for Ghost? It wasn't especially long-winded. Trying to remember what I Or do you do you have any audition horror stories if that one wasn't particularly Oh mainly to do with dance calls I would say. (laughs) 
<laughs> I always know now if the first round is a dance call, it's probably not worth me going. But um, no, no, aside from being absolutely mortified and dance calls that are too hard for me, generally I, I enjoy auditions more than I, now, now than I used to, I suppose because I've been around for a while and you get to the point where you, you know the casting directors and you know the people in the room a lot of the time and that just helps put you at ease. Obviously you went to Mount View. How did yeah. you go through that? I think I blocked it out of my memory, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I don't I don't remember the dance audition. I do remember how hard I found the dancing. And, you know, I was kind of in the remedial group for the most part for everything. But the one memory I have, actually, is of... Um, we were doing corner work. I think we were doing Chenet's from the corner or something, which I was absolutely hopeless at. And I just kind of shut my eyes and spun and hoped for the best and then came to and was really dizzy and everybody was laughing. I was like, what, what have I done? And then I realised that I'd moved about three foot when I should have been in the opposite corner of the room. So, you know, I tried to style it out and laugh it off, but then I had to go and have a little cry in the bog afterwards. <laughs> I was mortified. I'm sure that's a story that many people would, <laughs> would have been through themselves. And let's talk about Dogfight. That mm. was such a cool show yeah. um, in a really small venue and you got the beltiest number in the whole show. <laughs> yes. Do you think that show is, is one that deserves another another life? What are, your, what are your memories from that show? The lovely thing about working at Southwark Playhouse is its intimacy, I think. It's, it's quite rough and ready, and everybody's in the dressing room together. But if you've got a good company, there's, there's nothing like it. And we had such fun on that show. You know, we're still quite close as a group, I think. We've still got a little <laughs> Facebook messenger thread going. But it was just such a joyous show to work on, despite the subject matter. And again, it wasn't a show that I knew or had heard of at all. And it was a funny thing, you know, when you start working on something and slowly realise that you're onto something quite special with it. And I kind of feel like we discovered Pasek and Paul in this country in a way. Because Did you get to meet them? Yeah, 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 they what came they, over. What were they like to work with? They were absolutely wonderful. I mean, they, they came over in previews, if I remember rightly. And I think they were quite pleased with the production. So, you know, there wasn't a great deal in the way of working notes with them as such. But they were just really lovely open friendly guys and have gone on to incredible success yeah massive yeah, dear massive. Evan Hansen and blimey La La Land all that I came to see City of Angels at the Donmar mm. on the night that Caroline Sheen had to be rehearsed really? in and <gasps> the atmosphere that night was electric do you remember it oh yes of course I do she she was incredible I mean I, I take my hat off to that woman the courage that took to do that she was absolutely amazing I think she was off book for some of it I mean she'd managed to pick up pretty much all of the staging in the limited time we had. I didn't know the show at all, and I yeah. didn't think... I, you didn't look at it and think, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing at all. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Looked, she, she was, was incredible. mesmerising. It was really exciting to, to be a part of that night, in a way, because it, you know, gives everybody else a... Was it just the one night? I think she did two, but not consecutively. Okay. What, what's, what was the drama like on that day? Did you all have to go in and help rehearse, or... I, oh. what What happened? We had one show cancelled, because Kate was very poorly. Did we stick around that night to get Caroline in? I... I can't remember. I think it was the next afternoon that we all came in early and, yeah, she got a kind of whiz-bang tour of the production and on she went. That whole cast was, was such a, a good list of names, wasn't it? Hadley Fraser, yeah. Rosalie Craig, Samantha Barks. What was it like to be part of that show? It was incredible. It's, it's a career highlight for me and it's. I'm not really one for wanting to go back and do shows again, but that's that's one of the ones that, were it to come round again, I would jump at it because it's just the most brilliantly written piece. And that company, as you say, were incredible. And the Don was a really special place to work as well. You know, there's a great atmosphere there and they look after their companies really well. I'd love to work there again. You are an Olivier Award winner, deservedly <laughs> yeah. so. What was it like being in Showboat and doing the transfer and then winning the Olivier? Was that just all sort of kismet? 
Yeah, it was just this this rolling stone, I guess. Um, initially, we all signed up to this four-week run in Sheffield, which got extended by a week. And then, and by the end of the run, there were kind of there was talk that it might have a further life, but you never know. And and I've done other jobs where there's been lots of talk about that sort of thing, and then it doesn't come off. So you try not to get your hopes up. But when it did, it was, it was such a thrill to get to bring it to London. And although it's a shame it didn't last longer, I'm still really pleased that London audiences got to see it. And it's, just, it's a production I'm so proud of. I think it was so beautifully done and another incredibly talented, wonderful company. And then, you know, it was a fair amount of time later that the awards stuff started You closed by that point, speed. hadn't you? Yeah, we closed, we closed in the August. Now I went straight into Floyd Collins. And I think the UK Theatre Awards were within that time period if I remember mm. rightly and then yeah you know it was the following April that the Olivier's rolled around and it's just I still can't quite believe it you know I look at it on my mantelpiece every now and again and think god that's that's mine <laughs> it's, it's very bizarre how did you find out that you were nominated on the internet did <laughs> my you, was, Twitter started going mental oh really <laughs> yeah so you found out from other people yeah yeah, yeah amazing yeah. and I can't remember what the time period is between the nominations and, and the actual awards but what what was it like for that month for you just strange and exhilarating and I think I just finished doing Diary of a Teenage Girl at Southwark so you know obviously there's a lot of excitement they get all the nominees together and take us to the Rosewood Hotel to do press and pictures and stuff that was quite an exciting afternoon but yeah it's it's kind of a strange month of anticipation I suppose can you remember much from the night or was the whole thing a blur yeah I can't well I remember how hot it was the weather was as it is now it was absolutely scorching and I remember how God, it was heaving in there. It was like trying to get onto the tube in rush hour, just trying to get into the Albert Hall and find a seat. And then I didn't know when in the evening they were going to be giving out the award I was nominated for. And as it turned out, it was quite late on in the process. And I was kind of sitting there sweating in this dress, desperate for a drink, just (laughs) just desperate to know one way or the other so that I could relax and enjoy the evening. It was a strange thing, you know, every time a nominee is seated in the vicinity of you, the cameras are coming up towards you thinking, oh God, oh God, is it going to be, is it going to be me? And then it was. <laughs> but I tell you what was really lovely, actually, was after, once I'd kind of given the speech, they take you substage to do press and take pictures. And the first person I saw was a girl that I knew from back home that I've known since I was yay high, you know, who just happens to oh, work for a marketing firm in London now. So that was a real, that was a nice little blast of home and feet on the ground, you know. Had you prepared something to say or were you just totally... Yeah, I had. I mean, it sounds kind of presumptuous to say that you had, but I just thought, well, you know, God forbid, if you do win, I would have been absolutely mortified had I forgotten to thank somebody. That was my main concern, to be perfectly honest. So yeah, I made sure I had a a list of everybody I needed to include in the 40 seconds they give you. Is that that it? I think it is. I don't think anybody managed to keep it to that. Did you finish to the cutoff or did they start playing music? No, I think I was about a minute, a minute 20 maybe, which to be fair was faster than the vast majority of people. They they didn't play anybody off, as I remember. Who were you up against? Were you sort of sitting there going, oh, she's going to get it or she's going to get it? I, I did think Emma Williams would get it because she's been nominated so many times before you know you just think well god it's got to be her time although I I didn't realize at the time I think uh half a sixpence of course I think Hayden Gwynn had been nominated multiple times before as well which I didn't realize at the time and of course I know you know I know Victoria Hamilton Barrett she's incredible they're all incredibly talented ladies and four very different shows you know I always think it's it's really hard to kind of go well you know you quotes did that better than somebody else because you it's like comparing apples and oranges you grew up in wales did mm. you grow up going to the theater a lot how did this become your career 
Well, um, there's a big competitive scene in Wales. There are competitions called the Esteddfods, which are, it's like a big cultural competition that moves around the country on a yearly basis, basically. And there are so many categories you can compete in. You know, there's singing, there's there's folk singing, there's cat dance, which is a form of singing with a harp. There's dance, there's recitation, there's all sorts. And I, I started competing really young. I was seven or eight, I think. And around about that time... I was interested in joining my local Amdram group as well. And I think, I think I'd gone the year before and they told me I was too young but to come back. So I joined that when I was nine and I started working professionally quite young. I think I'd, I'd done my first professional musical aged 11 and then started doing odds and sods of telework and never really looked back, you know? Can you remember the first musical you saw? I think it was Starlight Express. What I remember is... There's a moment in Starlight Express, the number, I think, when he suddenly yells, Starlight Express! And I think I must have fallen asleep or something, because I just remember getting the fright of my life. I was only little, I was like four or five, maybe. But yeah, that's my first memory of seeing a musical. You know, lots of people say, talk about how, you know, they had um, cast recordings on tape in the mm. car, doing oh, family singalongs yeah. to Les Mis. Was that, was that your kind of upbringing? Phantom and Les Mis, they were my two. <laughs> I knew every word. And Miss Saigon. Was it sort of that, combined with the singing you were already doing, that kind of made you go, oh, I could do that? I think so. I mean, I've always... I was quite a shy kid, and I think part of what I loved about it once I started doing stage shows and musicals was that it gave me a character to hide behind and a character who always knew what they were going to say. And it, it just thought, it felt like a safe space to me. I think a lot of people assume that performers are extrovert and that it's about the attention, and that it always felt like hiding to me in a weird way, even though you're standing on stage in front of people. So I think that was a big part of the the appeal early on, and just the fact that I, I got to combine acting and singing as well, because I loved them both equally. Are you a person who listens to musicals in your spare time, or do you sort of find it better to step away and just treat that as the job and go off and listen mm. to Avicii or whatever? Uh, on and off. I would say generally I don't, but... I love the Light in the Piazza cast recording, for instance. I love the Waitress cast recording. Every now and again, I'll stick them on and have a good sing. And I'm always interested to hear the new stuff. But no, I would say, generally speaking, day-to-day existence, I don't tend to listen to a huge amount of musical stuff. Do you have sort of a list in your head of ones that you've not done yet that you'd love to do? (laughs) Well, Waitress and the Light in the Piazza are two of them, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I'd love you to do Waitress. Oh my God, I would genuinely... (laughs) I love that show. I loved Once as well. I really wanted to do that, and that kind of passed me by. But what I'd really love to do is originate a part, actually. God willing, that might happen someday. You've got about three weeks until you start now. <laughs> are, you, are you feeling the pressure? Oh, now I am. <laughs> um, not yet. I'm still in the really enjoying myself phase. I think when we get to the point where we're running it, then I'll really start to feel the pressure. But for now, it's just fun. It's that really fun stage where you're still piecing things together and trying things out and nothing's locked down yet. Sweet Charity's got some such good songs. Yeah. What's your favourite? I don't know yet. <laughs> God, that's hard. What I'm really liking at the moment is that we've made some tweaks to the end of the show. I mean, I, I don't know if you know a great deal about the end, the end of the show, but there have pretty much been as many versions of the end as there have been productions. And in our version, we are reprising a bit of I'm the Bravest Individual. And I, re- I love the way that that works because it's coming from such a different place to where it was coming from earlier. And there's, that's really satisfying to play as an actor. Yeah, it's because you're leaving her on a I'm strong note rather yeah. than the traditional she lived, because it wasn't the original, something like she lived business. hopefully ever after. Yeah, the fairy godmother comes along. It's very Oh, I don't know about strange. that one. Strange. It's just a little bit, you know, damsel in distress, isn't it, the old yeah. one? Yeah, well, yeah, well, and that's the other thing that I really like about our production, you know, it's 
to be honest, I feel like it's it's in the text anyway. I don't feel like we're having to mine particularly deep or pull out things that aren't there necessarily. She is, she's a survivor. What I like about this production is that quite often they will bring in a new guy right at the end, you know, to imply that I suppose the cycle is going to continue and we're not doing that, which I think is really important. I don't know why you would take that moment away from her at the end and make it about somebody else, you know? Well, this is it. You hope that she's finally kind of learned a lesson in a way and is going to be all right on her own. That's what I hope people take away from it anyway. Well, thank you so much for your time. Mm. I can't wait to come and see the show. It's going to be great. Yeah, hopefully. You can see Rebecca and Sweet Charity at Nottingham Playhouse until the 22nd of September. In our next episode, we're going backstage at the Savoy Theatre with Marisha Wallace, who's currently playing Effie White in Dreamgirls. To make sure you don't miss it, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tweet me at backstage underscore with, and there's even more online at backstagewith.com. Thanks for listening. Listener.